Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. Well, I do welcome you to week two of our our Christmas series, uh, Advent. And and like I mentioned last week, I I didn't grow up going to a church uh, that that celebrated Advent. I wasn't a part of churches that celebrated Advent. So I didn't know anything about it until we had kids. And and for family, we heard about it. And we started saying, hey, let's do this for family nights during the Christmas season. And so we bought the calendar. and, And we discovered what Advent was all about. And we discovered the value of focusing on Advent. And so that's why this year, that's our focus, is focusing on Advent. And if you were like me, you're like, I don't know anything about Advent either. And, and so we're taking you a little bit on this journey. And, and Advent, you know, it means coming or arrival. And it's a celebration of, of Jesus' first coming, which we're used to, Christmas, but also with this anticipation that he will come again and being excited about the fact that God will return as well. And one of the most common Advent traditions involves a wreath along with some candles. Now, the four candles of Advent traditionally represent hope and faith and joy and peace. And, and three of the candles are purple, which represents, you know, uh, the color, it's the color of royalty. So you think about the coming of a king. And the third candle here, joy, uh, or for joy is red, and that represents the joy that we have during this Christmas season. And then in the middle, you have the Christ candle, that Jesus is the light of the world. And so last week, we talked about the first candle, which is the candle of hope. And we said that Christianity, our faith, is a faith, it's a religion of hope. And it's built on the hope that we have in a Savior who has come and a Savior who will return. This week, we go to the second candle, which is the candle of faith. And we think about faith, and we're going to talk about specifically this year, um, and that's what faith represents is the faith of Mary and Joseph in the midst of the Christmas story. It's the faith of Mary and Joseph as they trusted God's word concerning the prophecies of the coming Messiah, the Savior, and then in faith, they trusted those prophecies, and then in faith, they moved ahead as participants in the story. Even though there was a lot of uncertainty that would now surround, you know, their lot in life. Now, you and I, like Mary and Joseph, we can be full of faith. But also like Mary and Joseph, fear can enter into the equation. Fear can creep in. And fear has the potential to even overwhelm us. And fear can lead us to make decisions that are not in line with the heart of God for us. Fear can lead us to make decisions where we are not living a faith-filled life, but rather a fear-filled life. And we can allow that, that, that fear that creeps in to influence our decisions. Now, fear of what others think Fear of winning other people's approval, fear of trying to please others is one of the biggest obstacles to living a faith-filled life. Paul said this in Galatians chapter 1 verse 10, he said, I am not trying to please people, I'm trying to please God. 
And so here's what we want to do today. We want to talk about how faith and how fear and this idea of pleasing God or pleasing others, how all of that intersects with the Christmas story as it pertains to the life of Joseph. And to make sure we're, we're all on the same page together, I'm going to ask you to get real and to get honest with yourself for a moment. And this is not something you have to say out loud, but I just want you to be real for a moment. And so here's my question for you. Are there times when you really care about what other people think? Are there times when you really care about what other people think? Because I think on some level, if you're being real, of course you do. We all do. It matters to us what people think. And, and, on, and especially certain people. And in fact, in our modern culture, in our modern era, it is actually easy to become obsessed with other, what other people think of us, especially with, with social media. And, and you get this instant feedback from others, whether it's good feedback or negative feedback or bad feedback. And so Joseph, he has a decision to make as it pertains to what other people think and will think. He has to decide to do something to do what other people would tell him to do, would lead him to do, or counsel him to do, or in this case, what God would have him do. And he has a decision to make. He can choose to take the path of least resistance. He can choose to do what's easy, or in his case, he can do what's right. So I want to give you the context as we get ready to dive in, and we're going to be looking in Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Joseph, he is engaged, and many of you know this story. Most of you perhaps know the story. Joseph's engaged to a virgin girl named Mary. Now, Jewish engagements in the first century are very different than engagements in our world today. For example, today, when you get engaged, and you're going through the engagement, and all of a sudden you discover, hey, this isn't good. Oh my goodness, I don't even know if I should get married to this person. If you decide to break off the engagement in the modern world, you just do that. No big, you know, no harm, no foul, so to speak. Uh, you, might, you know, there might be an exchange of rings that has to take place. You might have to get your deposit back uh, for the church or for the venue, uh, maybe even lose the deposit. You know, it's possible. But for the most part, if you're like, oh, uh, bad decision here, uh, you can get out of the engagement. Well, Joseph, in his situation, and Mary's, it's very different back then with an engagement. Engagements back then were binding agreements or contracts. In other words, you would be engaged, and you would enter into this, this engagement, this contract. It would last for about a year, and if you wanted to break off the engagement, you would actually have to file for divorce. So it was, it was, it was contractual, so to speak, at that point. In fact, it was, it was such a big deal that if one of the two people died while, while you were engaged, the person who remained living would be considered a widow or a widower. So with that in mind, that image of engagement, let's pick up the story, Matthew chapter 1. And we're going to start in verse 18. And it says this, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. In other words, they're engaged. Legal contract, it's binding. But before they came together, in other words, before they had relations, before they, you know, had sex together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but man, I would have loved to be a fly on the wall in that conversation. 
right? I mean, seriously, I mean, again, we know the story, but, but, but think back for a moment. Can you imagine Mary sits down, you know, she, she gets this information and now she has to tell Joseph. And so she sits down with her fiance and she drops the news. And she's like, hey, Joey, my sweet, sweet love, I need you to sit down. And, and I have to tell you something. And I know you're going to want to freak out, but I'm going to ask you, don't freak out. And I, and I know it's going to be hard to hear, but, but just be patient with me and trust me and have faith. And, and so he's all of a sudden sitting forward on the couch, right? He's like, uh, what's going on here? And he's like, just, just trust me here. I got to tell you something. It's pretty serious. Are you ready, Joey? Please don't get mad at me. Please trust me. All right, here goes. One, two, three. Joey, I'm pregnant. Wait, 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 wait. I, that's what I picture. As soon as she says the word, I'm pregnant, the next thing out of her mouth is, whoa, 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 whoa. Because you can see him jumping up. And, he, and she's like, D Joey, please don't jump, jump to conclusions. Listen to me. Trust me. Are you ready for this? Because he's freaking out already. And she sees it in his eyes. And he's like, don't worry, Joey. There's not another guy involved. The good news is I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you and I are 2,000 years later. We just, we just don't think about that. Put yourself in the story. Because if I'm Joseph, I'm like, uh, yo, Mayor, how'd you come up with that one? <laughs> really? I mean, really? Don't give me, you know, this Holy Spirit stuff. I saw the way the dude was checking you out down at the watering well. I saw the way that other guy was looking at you at the bar mitzvah. I, come on, don't give me this Holy Spirit stuff. You have to admit Factor out the possibility that God did this because nobody in their right mind is bringing God into the equation. Factor that out of the equation. You've got two things going on with him in his mind as he's thinking about this. Two trains of thought. This woman is either crazy or she's a liar or both. And I'm not interested in marrying someone who's crazy or a liar. No chance, no way. And at some point, Joseph is thinking about this and he's processing with himself and he's thinking to himself, okay, if I decide to stay with this woman, what is everybody going to think? What are they going to think about me? What are they going to think about her? How's this going to affect our life? It's going to go viral for sure. Everybody's going to know. Now listen, from her perspective, she's pregnant, right? So from her perspective, she's now marked. She's pregnant outside of wedlock. And according to Jewish law, that's a sin. And that's punishable by death, and it's a brutal death. It's death not by, by, you know, by beheading or something, you know, just instantaneous, not that that's a good thing, but it's not that. It's death by stoning. Slow, painful, brutal death. From his perspective, just hearing this news that she's pregnant, now he's marked for the rest of his life. His life has now permanently changed as well. It's going to be hard for him to find a job moving forward. Also, if he chooses to divorce her and, and, and it's time to get married in the future, what father is going to allow him or what father is going to allow his daughter to get married to a divorcee? He might find it difficult for people to do business with him. You know, he, he takes his donkey in, you know, for an oil change, and the guy's like, hey, uh, uh, we don't change those kind of donkeys here. You go find somebody else. And, he, you know, he's just going to struggle. So let's read the story. 
See how it unfolds. Matthew chapter one, verse 19. But because Joseph, her husband, which is a, not a good translation, and the word literally just means in the Greek, uh, uh, the man, her man, because Joseph, her man, was faithful to the law, and yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had the right to, according to the law, he had in mind to. That word mind means, it literally means he resolved, okay? He had in mind to. He had resolved to do what? We know the story now. Hey, hey, Mary and Joseph, all that. But originally, in the beginning, what had he resolved in his mind? He had in mind to, what's the word? To what? To divorce her quietly. In other words, he decided, I'm jumping out of this relationship. Come on, wouldn't you? The person you're with says, it's the Holy Spirit. I mean, come on, at least be honest with me, Mary. At least be honest. Many commentaries actually say that divorcing her quietly was a a noble and honorable action to take, which I tend to agree from his perspective. He's a godly man. He follows the law. And he's thinking to himself, I... I don't want to expose her to public shame. I'm not going to say to everybody, you know, she cheated on me and I have a right according to law. It's time, we're, going to, we're going to stone her to death. He's thinking, I don't want her to suffer more than she's already going to suffer with what lies ahead for her. I'm not going to make it worse on her. Up to this point, he has certainly loved her. He's cared about her. He's cared for her. And he's thinking, you know, Maybe she can go away and start a new life somewhere and and salvage what's left of her life. And maybe, maybe I can salvage what's left of my life. Maybe I can start over. It's going to be tough. We're both going to have a lot, get a lot of questions. There's going to be a lot of challenges, but I'll, I'll figure it out. As he's thinking through all this and processing all this, Joseph is about to learn one of the most important life lessons for anybody who wants to live a faith-filled, God-honoring life. If you want to live a faith-filled and God-honoring life, you are going to discover that putting your faith in God sometimes means that you will disappoint others. You will let other people down. Verse 20 says, but after Joseph had considered this, in other words, he's thinking about this. Here's the pros of staying with her. Here's the cons of staying with her. So he he had decided, I'm gonna gonna break up with her. I'm gonna let her move on. I'm gonna move on. And we're gonna kind of get on with life. And Joseph is, I can imagine, just mentally exhausted by all of this. And so he considered this. After he considered it, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. He was exhausted. He took a nap. He went to sleep. And the angel said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, she'll give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. He wakes up from the dream and you have to imagine the pendulum swing of emotions that's going on inside of Joseph's head. Because one part of him says, man, for centuries, it has been prophesied that the Messiah would come. Remember, hope, advent, the coming of the Messiah. And so he knew that and he knew the prophecies or at least some of them. And now this angel tells him he gets to be a part of the greatest story in history. Mary was telling him the truth. And then, 
The next moment, his emotions swing the other direction. I get to be a part of this, but yeah, at what cost? I get to be a part of this, but how's this going to play out? How's this going to impact my life, my relationships, my employment, about what we are going to have to take from other people? What is this going to cost me? On one hand, I get to be a part of the greatest story in the history of the world. On the, other, I, on the other hand, I just have no idea how difficult this is going to get, how difficult it's going to be. Everyone else around me, as soon as they see Mary showing, everybody is going to say, dude, run for your life. Get away from her. Don't marry this woman. She has sinned, and she's making up excuses about the Holy Spirit. Get away from her. In fact, if you don't want to put her to death, don't believe her crazy story. And he's wrestling. Should I listen to the counsel of others? Should I listen to their advice? Or should I listen to and do what God is calling me to do, what God wants? See, I can promise you this. If you desire to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ, there are going to be times when you're presented with opportunity to do what is right, to do what is honorable, to do what is just, to do what is noble, or in those opportunities, you're going to have a chance to do something that's easier, that's more convenient, that's expedient, that's that's compromising, just so you can keep the peace with others, just so that you can win the approval of others, just so that you can please others. Joseph is going to learn some very important principles in in this journey of making God-honoring, faith-filled decisions. And and God invites us into the story as we think about us making God-honoring, faith-filled decisions. Why does this matter? And why does it matter so much? Well, here's part of the first principle, and this is so huge for us. If you or I, if we are obsessed with what other people think about us, we're going to lose sight of what God thinks about us. If we get wrapped up in, in caring about and consumed with what other people around us are thinking about us, it will be very easy to lose sight of what God thinks about us or how God feels about us. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. Whose opinion or opinions matter most to you? Think about that for a moment. What one or two or three or four people, their opinion matters more to you than anything else, that you really care what they think. I suspect for most of us, it's our family. It might be one of our really good friends. It it might be our employer or, or somebody else. Now that's not all bad. We value them. We value their opinions. We want to do our best. We want to be our best, especially with those that matter most to us. That makes sense. However, if you're not careful, if I'm not careful, if we're not careful, we might end up making decisions if we're wrapped up in what other people think about us. We might end up making decisions that do not line up with God's will for our life. We might make decisions that are not lining up with or aren't God's plan for our life or God's call for us to do something or to become something. They're not, by the way, always at odds with one another, but the potential's there. And so for you and I to overcome a focus on living to please others or care what others think and to be set free from that, we instead 
we become obsessed with what God thinks about us. As the Apostle Paul said, I'm more interested in pleasing God than pleasing others. We become obsessed. God, I care more about what you think about me than what other people think about me. Now, Joseph is working through this in real time. Again, we know the story now, 2,000 years later, but he's in the midst of the story. He has a faith decision to make. Do I value the opinion of God and care about the opinion of God most? Do I care what God thinks about me most, or do I care more about others and what they think about me and what they think about my decisions? And if I care about and if I value the opinion of God most, here's what it means. It means that there will be times when I'm going to be criticized. I'm going to be critiqued. I'm going to let people down. I might even be an outcast. I'm definitely going to stand out. But here's the great news. Those of us who are willing to enter into that in faith, we're willing to be obedient to God and follow God's plan for our life. We're willing to be criticized at times or let other people down because of our faith-filled obedience to God, whatever it is. When we're willing to enter into that, we will be used by God. God has amazing plans for us and he wants to use us. And the only way we get there is be willing to enter into the reality that we will let other people down and we might even be criticized and critiqued and misunderstood. Think about all the ways that Mary and Joseph would be criticized. I mean, they're gonna be publicly disgraced over and over and over again. And different people are, you know, rumors are gonna spread, so different people are gonna think different things. Some people are gonna be like, hey, you've heard the story, right? Like, like she's pregnant, that's not Joseph's baby. And so that's going to start the rumor mill right there. Other people are going to say, hey, you know, she's walking around telling this story that she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. That's convenient. You know, so some people are going to be thinking that. Other people are going to be like, what do you mean Holy Spirit? I saw his donkey pulled up to her apartment at 2 a.m. And I can tell you, they weren't doing Bible study, if you know what I mean. (laughs) I don't know how it'll play out in your life what that looks like, the criticism, the being misunderstood, letting other people down. But if you're going to step into faith and you're going to step into faith-filled decisions, there's going to be a time. You're gonna be in God's word. You're gonna be hearing a sermon live or on a podcast or something. You're gonna hear God speak to you in some way, shape, or form. And God's gonna call you to do something, uh, command you even, or tell you to do something that is culturally unpopular. And if you obey in faith, you're gonna be criticized, maybe ostracized, maybe misunderstood. You might be a teenager or a young adult and and you might say, you know what? I know what God's word says and I'm gonna honor God with my sexual purity and yet there's gonna be everybody around you, all your friends, and they're gonna hear you say that and they're gonna be like, that is the stupidest, lamest, most outdated thing that has ever been. Are you nuts? Are you crazy? And they're gonna give you a hard time. Or maybe as a young adult or a teenager, you're clear-eyed about what God's word says and you're clear about it and you know you've been taught, you've read the scriptures, God created male and female and that God designed marriage to be between a man and a woman 
and you have decided, I will love every person no matter who they are, and I will respect their decisions and what the decisions they make. I have no problem doing that. But for me, I will follow God's intended way for my life, no matter the pressure that is all around me to take a different route or a different path. Or maybe you sense God calling you to leave a high-powered paying job for a lower paying job because that lower paying job happens to be in your wheelhouse or in your passion or what God's calling you to do because it might make more of a difference and you're sensing God calling you to that and you're talking to other people and seeking their input and they're like, why would you ever do that? Why would you take a lower paying job? You're gonna set back your career, your, your, your retirement plan. That is just not financially prudent to do that. It's always up and to the right. Why would you go back? Or maybe some of you, God is calling you to live on you know, way less than you make because he's calling you just to become a more and more generous person. And you sense that from God and, 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 and you wanna use your resources to just help others and bless others and to make a difference in the world. And your friends are hearing this, they're like, man, that's just silly. Man, join us on the cruise. Join us here. You're not gonna be able to get this. You're not gonna be able to get that. And you're like, yeah, but this is what God's calling me to do. And they're not going to understand. And they might even criticize. Or there's going to be people around you saying, hey, to succeed in this job, you have to cut this corner. You have to cut that corner. You have to do this behind the scenes. You can't let other people know about this. And, and it's no big deal. And you're like, yeah, but it's a big deal to me. Because that's not what God's calling me to do. If you're not ready to be criticized for your obedience to God. Man, you're just not ready yet to be used by God. But here's the amazing next thought, and I hope this sets some of you free. The extraordinary acts of God, God moving in your life in a powerful way, often starts with ordinary acts of faithful obedience on our part. Think about this. The savior of the world was born because a couple of teenagers said yes to God. Yes, Lord, yes. A simple act of obedience. Yes, Lord, yes. I want us to say that together. Yes, Lord, let, yes. So let's say it together, these three words. Simple act of obedience. One, two, three. Yes, Lord, yes. One more time. Yes, Lord, yes. Some of you might be the first time you've ever said that. Yes, Lord, yes. They didn't have any details. All they know, we're having a boy, we need to name him Jesus, and he's going to save people. That's all they know. They get no other details. And if I'm then, I'm thinking to myself, how in the world am I going to raise the Son of God? I mean, how do I do that? What, what authority do I have here? I mean, this is the Son of God. Do I get to spank him? Do I get to put him in a timeout? You know, what do I do here? This is God's Son. God, I could use a few more details. Now, I think there are times for some of us, we say, you know what? I do want to say yes, Lord, yes. I do want to be obedient to God, but God, I just need some more details. God, I really want to, I want to take this step. I, I want to say yes, God, but show me more. Let me see more. Give me some of the journey. God, maybe show me. I got I to gotta see it in order to do it. 
But here's what faith is. Faith is obeying immediately when you don't understand completely. That is the definition of faith. It's obedience in the present, now. Yes, Lord, yes. When I don't understand completely, when I don't get to see the whole picture, but I just take that one step, the first piece of the puzzle, and then I trust God with the rest. Give your yes to God and trust him with the rest. Listen, you have no idea. You have no idea what you're gonna set in motion by your simple and faithful act of obedience to God. Whatever he's put in your heart, however he's led you, extraordinary acts of God, God moving in your life, they start with simple, ordinary acts of obedience on our part. Heather and I, we had no idea what God would put in place when we said yes, Lord, yes, to starting a church. Man, we were part of an amazing church, a huge church, thousands of people involved, hundreds of people coming to the Lord every single year, being baptized, this, this impact. It was an incredible church. But God called us to plant Life Point 19, 20 years ago. And we had no idea. 20 years later, we're still here, impacting hundreds, thousands of lives in Elk Grove and through our missionaries across the world, the, the amount of the churches that we as a church have started, which then impact lives, the churches, the missionaries we've impacted, hundreds, probably thousands upon thousands upon tens of thousands. Because we said, yes, Lord, yes. I, I hope you're praying about who you're going to invite to the Christmas Eve services. Remember you have the, the men, who you're meant to invite, you grab those. And God's going to put people in your heart. Are you willing to be obedient and just say, yes, Lord, I'm going to go invite them? Some of you, for some of you, you're like, yeah, I'm going to go invite them. I, I don't know if I, I don't really want to invite them. But you're sensing God calling you to invite them. You have no idea how your simple act of obedience, just to say, yes, Lord, yes, and you invite somebody. They might come. They might give their life to Christ. They might then, their family comes to Christ. The next generation in that family has changed. You have no idea what your single act of obedience, a simple thing like you are meant to invite somebody to church, how that'll change their eternity because of your simple act of obedience. God might be calling you to serve in ministry in some way, shape, or form. You don't know any of the details. You just know it's an opportunity to say yes to God and you have no idea how that's gonna change your life as your life literally gets off of self, less me focus, more others focus, you have no idea how it's gonna change their life, even how it's gonna change your life. Maybe God's calling you to take a, a step in a relational way. That you're in a relationship or there's somebody you're connected to relationally and there's been tension, maybe there's bitterness, maybe there's anger, maybe there's unforgiveness, and God's calling you to lead the way in reconciliation and restoration. You have no idea what a single, simple act of faithful obedience can set in motion when you just say, yes, Lord, yes, Extraordinary acts of God, the movement of God in your life starts with your ordinary act of obedience. So the angel speaks to Joseph and says, don't be afraid. Take Mary as your wife. And now Joseph has a choice to make. Is he gonna do what's easy? Is he gonna do what's convenient? Is he gonna do what others would call him to do? Or is he gonna do what's right? 
Is he going to do what others would absolutely counsel him to tell him to do in that situation? Or is he going to do what God has called him to do? Obsessing about what others think about you is the easiest way to lose sight of what God thinks about you. But obsessing what God thinks about you is the easiest way to to have what others think about you just kind of fall away because you're thinking about pleasing an audience of one. So in one little verse, we we see Joseph's decision of faith. Matthew 1, verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary as his wife. Through a simple act of faithful obedience, it set in motion the greatest story in the history of mankind. You have no idea what you'll set in motion in your life by saying yes to God and how that'll change you and how that'll change those around you. So when God speaks to you, like Joseph, when you wrestle with that, when the fear creeps in and you have a choice, what is easy, what is right, what people think, what God thinks, your story can include a one sentence destiny altering decision just like Joseph. Like Joseph, you can do what the Lord is calling you to do. You don't have any idea today what that decision will do with your life and the lives of those around you. So as we celebrate the advent of Jesus, the coming of Jesus, what faith-filled step are you gonna take? What faith-filled step of obedience are you going to say, yes, Lord, yes. Let's pray about that now. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, we come before you, God, and thank you for this example of Joseph who stepped into faith as he obeyed you. There's a lot of consequences. There's a lot of suffering that came with this. It impacted his life, Mary's life. But God, you used them to literally change the world. God, hear our prayers right now. And as in faith, we come to you. So do you sense a faith-filled step God is calling you to take? If that's the case right now, we just go before him. In faith, just say something like, God, here I come. I know what you're calling me to do. I know how you're calling me to say yes. And so God, with the help of your Holy Spirit, I say yes to you, to your will and your way for my life. God, use me to make a difference in the world around me. I say yes, Lord, yes. And I pray this in Jesus' name. God, hear every single one of these prayers as you change our small little world of Elk Grove and those that we come in contact with. We love you. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.